Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Today we're going to focus on a passage from the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, beginning with verse 26. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, at noon take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants? Because his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord's Spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself in Azotus. He traveled through that area, preaching the good news in all the cities until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, Lord, would you, would you speak to us this morning Uh, And teach us more about you and your spirit. Even more, Lord, would you open our hearts, our minds, our souls to receive your living spirit into our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 1990, a long time ago, uh, this church uh, sent a mission team to Chalco, Mexico to build a church building Uh, Chalco then, and I assume today, was a a large, sprawling, mostly underplanned, low infrastructure kind of community that just kind of sprung up. Uh, Lots of folks that are poor there, and with it, all of the, uh, you know, accompanying realities of uh, impoverished neighborhoods. Uh, that we were there as a group. But, but one of the leaders of our group, one of our hosts, invited me one day to go with them to the local market to pick up some supplies. I said, sure, let's do it. Uh, so we went to this market. It was a large open building, kind of like this, lots of stalls and people buying and selling things. 
Uh, we walked in the door, and I immediately realized I'm the only North American in the room. And they probably don't get a lot of North Americans to this market anyway. It wasn't exactly a, a tourist destination. It felt in a moment like every eye was on me, that everybody stopped what they were doing. And honestly, for a moment, it was a little uncomfortable. It was really probably the first time in my life I experienced what it was to be other, to be different, to not really belong. Now, let me be really clear. No one did anything to make me feel uncomfortable. Nobody said I wasn't welcome. There were no signs up, no tall North American men. You know, there wasn't anything like that. I just realized for the first time in my life, I'm in a situation where I'm different. Now, since then, I've had lots of opportunities to travel abroad. I've had lots of opportunities to immerse myself in different cultures. I've had a lot, even in this country, of cross-cultural experiences, and those have been so beneficial to me because they've helped me realize that even though most of the time in my life I'm normal, I, I'm part of the majority group, that that is not everyone's experience. In fact, in many ways, when you find yourself as the, the norm, you're now just surrounded by people like you. It doesn't mean that this is reality. It's also awakened for me that, that my experience in life, where most of the time I am like people around me, that that isn't necessarily the experience of many other people. Persons with handicaps, persons who live in poverty, persons who are minorities in their particular circumstances persons who are immigrants from other nations, persons who are members of the LGBTQ plus community. If I'm honest, I have too often taken for granted the, the assumption that, that I'm normal, a reality that others are probably much more aware of on a more frequent basis than I have been. A writer named Father Dan Homan once wrote, somewhere, sometime, you were excluded. Somewhere, sometime, you were excluded. Remember what that was like. Some people live with that experience constantly. The truth is, and I don't know exactly what the psychology is behind this, but most of us are not necessarily automatically comfortable with difference. Oftentimes when we're in a situation we're uncomfortable with, the thing that's most obvious to us is what's different rather than the potential common ground that we might share with someone who by appearance is different than us but shares our same humanity. Maybe we're dealing with some unconscious biases. Maybe there's certain behaviors that make you uncomfortable. Maybe there are certain times, certain places, certain people that make you feel threatened or uncomfortable or vulnerable. Maybe you just have trouble dealing with foreign accents or people who speak with a broken English or with the slang. Maybe you have some prejudices or phobias you're not fully conscious of. Maybe you define sexuality or gender even in a more narrow, rigid way. The truth is most of us tend to associate with people just like us, don't we? People who vote like us, people who vacation like us, people who live in neighborhoods like us, people who do the same activities, go to the same church, join the same clubs, have the same politics, send our kids to the same schools. But here's the thing. 
What if the differences that we tend to focus on because they make us uncomfortable actually blind us to the truth of who people are? Blind us to the value of their humanity. Blind us to the theological spiritual truth that they too, like me, are created in the image and likeness of God. What if we're just too spiritually blind, too unaccepting, too self-focused on our own discomfort to see the spiritual truth right before our eyes? That, That quote that Emily read earlier, is it possible that I can only value the people that reflect me? What a a sad statement that would be. Father Richard Rohr says, I suppose there's no more counterintuitive spiritual idea than the possibility that God might actually use and find necessary what we fear, avoid, deny, and deem unworthy. And Pastor Nadia Bowles-Weber adds, every time we draw a line between us and others, Jesus is always on the other side. Today's story is about many things, but I think it's essentially about difference and the work of the Holy Spirit to tear down walls that divide. The passage said, an angel from the Lord spoke to Philip at noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way from Jerusalem where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Now there's two important phrases here. If we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this summer, a a recurring phrase that, that occurs throughout Acts appears twice in this passage in different forms. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. And then later, the Spirit told Philip. You ever received a leading, a prompting, a pushing, a nudging, a word from the Holy Spirit? Would you be sensitive spiritually to know if you had? And if you had, would you be open and responsive? The angel, in essence, said to Philip, go go down this particular road, in this particular direction, at this particular time. The spirit nudged him and said, hey, go over to that guy in that chariot and don't let him go. What would you do if you were Philip? Many years ago, I was uh, in uh, Guatemala, which I've done many times. I'd stayed after a mission trip to, to study Spanish. I've done that a number of times, and it's never sunk in. I keep trying, but it just doesn't seem to click for me as well as I needed to. I was in a, a, a town there called Panajachel, which is a, a common tourist destination. Lots of North Americans throw through Panajachel, lots of Europeans, and there's lots of what they call expatriates, young people from Europe, North America, Canada, who've kind of settled in there because there's a thriving drug culture in this area. So they go and they make jewelry and they sell it to the tourists and they enjoy the, what's available there in Pan Hotel. Well, I finished my classes for the morning and I went for lunch. I was sitting in an outdoor patio along the main road. Uh, and along the road, there were a number of people who'd set up little tables and booths selling their stuff. 
And I was sitting at a table not far from the road. It was outdoors, but there was a, a little wall, a little fence, kind of separate, and a sidewalk kind of separating me. Ordered my food, and as I'm waiting for my food to arrive, I couldn't help it overhear the young North American woman sitting at her table at the street, talking on the phone to somebody that sounded to me like probably family from home. She was crying. Life in Guatemala wasn't going well for her. I didn't mean to eavesdrop. She was loud and I was close. It just happened. And I felt a nudge. I, I sensed God saying, you need to go talk to her. You, you need to see if you can offer any encouragement or comfort to her. But I had ordered my food. And it was coming any minute. And she was, you know, over the fence, over the, the sidewalk. And I didn't know her and her back was turned to me. So I thought, okay, you know, I, I'll eat my lunch and then I'll go talk to her. I ate my lunch. I paid. I got up. I walked in front of her table. And I kept on walking. Chickened out. I felt a leading. I felt a nudge. And in that moment, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I, I chickened out. And I've got some reasons, excuses, but that's all they are. How often do we miss these opportunities the Spirit leads us? And she might have told me to get lost. Probably would have. But that was her opportunity. I never gave her to do that. Now one thing I will say that I have learned through the years. You ever have that experience where somebody pops in your mind just out of the blue? You just start thinking about somebody you haven't thought of in a while? I have found, more often than not, that in those moments, if I call them or text them, very often they say to me, you know, I really needed this call. Something's going on, and I, I, I just needed to talk to somebody. I'm trying to be more sensitive to that, and I would encourage you to be as well. Well, Philip didn't hesitate when the Spirit nudged, when the angel spoke. Philip was obedient. Philip ran right over to the chariot, and he discovered riding in the chariot an Ethiopian man reading a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now, there's a couple things we can conclude about this Ethiopian man. First of all, he's riding in a chariot, a carriage in this version. That means he must have had some wealth and power. Most people didn't get to ride in chariots. He was an Ethiopian. He was from Ethiopia. In fact, it says that he was from the palace. He, he worked as the treasurer for the queen. He must have been educated. He's reading a scroll. Now, most people didn't have scrolls, and most people weren't literate. We doubt Philip was literate, but he could read, and not only could he read, he was probably reading in Hebrew. As I said, he was an Ethiopian, which means he was not a Judean Jew. Now, here's an interesting thing. We don't really know his relationship to the Jewish faith. It said he had been in Jerusalem to worship the Jewish God, but there were a number of people who did that who were not ethnically Jewish, but who re re respected the Jewish faith. They were called God-fearers. Was he Jewish? Maybe, but he certainly was not a Jew in the way that Philip was in terms of being ethnically Judean. So he was different than Philip. There were a lot of things that were different. Philip wasn't wealthy or educated. He certainly wasn't African. He probably never had ridden in a chariot. He didn't work for a queen. He probably was not literate, literate. But there was one other thing that separated them probably even more significantly. This man riding in the chariot, this Ethiopian, also is referred to as a eunuch. 
Now, I don't want to make anyone overly uncomfortable this morning, so I won't go into great detail. I encourage you to Google it when you go home if you don't fully understand what it means. But a eunuch is someone, a man, who's had his genitalia removed, probably not by choice, as a slave. And the primary reason is so that they would not be a sexual threat in service to a royal family. This made the Ethiopian quite different than Philip. And take it even further. In the Jewish tradition, a eunuch was considered to be somebody who was unclean. There's a lot of working out in the book of Acts of who is clean and who is unclean. The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy 23.1 says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may ever enter the assembly of the Lord. In other words, in the Jewish culture, to be a eunuch meant you were excluded. You were not welcome. The ultimate insult, this is an unclean person. They were spiritual outcasts. Regardless of his character, his talents, his ability, even his spiritual hunger, he would have been considered an outcast. 100% because of a physical condition he didn't choose. Now, thankfully, later in the Old Testament, through the prophet Isaiah, God said, the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, choose what I desire and remain loyal to my covenant In my temple and courts, I will give them a monument and name better than sons and daughters. I will give to them an enduring name that won't be removed. Now, that certainly sounds like our Ethiopian eunuch. The question is, did Philip know that passage from Isaiah? Was that passage from Isaiah commonly understood, or were there lingering prejudices? Was there lingering discrimination against somebody like the Ethiopian eunuch. We don't know. The truth is the world is full of people like the Ethiopian eunuch, intelligent, spiritually hungry, responsible, capable, loyal, contributing, but excluded by some simply on the basis of difference. The Ethiopian eunuch, like so many experienced that his difference became his definition of identity. This, at least in the Jewish world, was who he was. He was a eunuch. We do that a lot. Rather than first looking at a person's humanity, we look at their difference and we let the difference define them. This Ethiopian and everyone else is more than this one simple definition, narrow definition. So the spirit speaks to Philip, says, go talk to the eunuch. They go talk, he's reading a scroll. Philip says, do you really understand what you're reading? The eunuch replies, how can I understand if nobody explains it to me? They begin to talk about this passage. He wonders, well, who does this apply to? Philip starts to explain it to him, starts to tell him about Jesus, starts to talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, about baptism. And all of a sudden, they, they ride along a body of water, a stream or a river or something, and the Ethiopian says, look, there's, there's water. What, what would keep me from being baptized? What would prevent it? What would be standing in the way for us to, to go down to the water and be baptized right now? And the answer was nothing. Philip and the 
the Ethiopian eunuch jump out of the chair, the head in the water, and the Ethiopian eunuch is baptized in Christ. Baptism is, of course, one of our two sacrament rituals in the church. Baptism is the, the ritual washing away of our sin, the washing away of our former life. It's our initiation into the body of Christ. Baptism is God's loving affirmation, acceptance, and embrace. In baptism, even infant baptism, we believe that we receive a new identity, child of God. In fact, I would argue that for Christians, our baptism is our core identity. Everything else is an and. I'm baptized in Christ, and I'm a white male. I'm baptized in Christ, and I'm a pastor. I'm baptized in Christ, and I'm heterosexual. I'm baptized in Christ, and I'm married, and I have kids. You get what I'm saying, right? The core identity is our baptism, who we are in Jesus. And so, in essence, this, this Ethiopian eunuch is asking a very critical question when he says, what would keep me from being baptized? He's asking, can, can your God love someone like me? Can your God love me as I am? Can I be baptized? Is there a place for me as different as you think I am in the body of Christ? And Philip's actions by baptizing him embody God's answer. Yes, of course you can be baptized. Please get baptized. Please get in the water. Let's do this right now. You are loved. God's love is for you. No exclusion. God loves. God accepts. God embraces everyone. Julian of Norwich once wrote, everything has being by the love of God. Love undergirds who we are even before we know it. It's the core of our identity. My favorite professor in seminary was Dr. Willie Jennings. In fact, I would go so far as to say, I don't know if anyone has impacted me spiritually as much as him. He wrote a commentary on the book of Acts and about this passage he says, God's love presses us beyond quiet tolerance and certainly beyond lightly concealed revulsion and toward extravagant appreciation of our creatureliness woven in difference and destined for communion with the divine life. I want to read that one again. There's a lot there. God's love presses us beyond quiet tolerance and certainly beyond lightly concealed revulsion and toward extravagant appreciation of our creatureliness, woven in difference and destined for communion with the divine life. Philip, as he jumped in the chariot, certainly was not being tolerant of the Ethiopian unit and he did not appear to be repulsed by him by his skin color, by his ethnicity, by his nationality, by his lack of spiritual knowledge, and most especially by his being a eunuch. And this newly baptized Ethiopian eunuch bore in his black, African, possibly non-Jewish, castrated flesh the image and likeness of God. And by his baptism became a full-fledged member of the body of Christ possibly the first missionary 
to Ethiopia, the first missionary to Africa. The body of Christ would be less without him and everyone else like him. As Emily mentioned earlier, six years ago this day, men and women who were considered different by society were brutally murdered by a mad gunman. Different because they were Latino. Different because they were members of the LGBTQ community. In fact, maybe that's why places like Pulse matter so much. Because it was a place that these individuals didn't have to feel so different. So out of the norm. That tragic day, 49 were killed, 53 were injured, and countless, countless were traumatized. In the aftermath of that event, this community, this church included, rallied together to support the survivors, the families of the victims, and the LGBTQ community at large. And I think there was something about what happened at Pulse that awoke the collective consciousness of the Central Florida community to respect, to value difference and diversity as a gift, not a threat as people to be affirmed, embraced, and celebrated as God does. And so each year on this day, we pause, and the next service will dedicate even more time to honor the victims of that tragedy, to grieve the terrible losses of those 49, to acknowledge their absence, to continue the work to be a more just and safe world, to remember the terrible, destructive power of sin and hate, and to continue to seek to be faithful to the Spirit's leading, because the Spirit tears down walls that we build. The Spirit continues to confront the lingering discomfort we have with difference and challenges us to open our hearts wider and wider to affirm and embrace the modern-day Ethiopian eunuchs that the Spirit continues to lead us to. Thank God. Let us pray. And so God, if you see that our hearts are too small to receive people that are different than us, will you stretch it? Make it softer, open it. If you see that our minds are too closed to, to value the difference in others, stretch our minds. Give us new thoughts. Speak truth to us. And lead us into the lives of people who are different than us. And lead them into our life, whatever that difference might be. Knowing that our lives will be richer for it. Spirit, guide us. Spirit, speak to us. Spirit, lead us. Spirit, shake us. Spirit, move us. We pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, 
we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.